Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We're back. The weather's really nice, randomly. What are you talking about? The weather's nice. It was disgusting today. No, it's actually like, it's warmish. It's warm, but it's like a blanket of death has fallen upon <laughs> New Jersey and New York. It's so gray. Yeah, I mean, like, what nice for a Jersey winter. Let's be real. Okay, I mean, it's not like there's not two feet of snow, so yes. I guess you got it. Yes. But I was <laughs> like, it was good, like, stay in bed until 2 p.m. Whoopsie. Yeah, yeah, it was. I could barely get out of bed today. I was like, well, hi. I heard the vacuum cleaner, and I was like, I guess I'll get up and clean the house. <laughs> How's your new... Oh, so guys, it's Brown Ambition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, we here. We in here. <laughs> Thank you for coming back for another week. Yes. Before we, we do... Week how many? 66? We're 66 This is our now? 66 or 67th show. I always have to check every week. Oh, we're in our golden years. And we are. We mm-hmm. can get social security. Ooh. Without a penalty. <laughs> Financial nerd joke. I know. They're like, what? Um, but before we get into the show, and it's a very exciting show, we have a cool guest today. Mm-hmm. Um, cool updates from Tiffany on the Dreamcatchers and the Live Richard Challenge today. But before all that goodness, um, we want to ask again, at the end of the show last week we mentioned this, but... We really would like your support um, leaving us reviews on iTunes. We know that you guys love the show. We've had a record month so far with um, downloads and subscribers. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you you. for supporting our little show. But if you really want to show your support um, more than subscribing, you could go to iTunes and leave just a short review with, you know, five stars, (laughs) however you feel about it that day. Five stars. Five stars. (laughs) No, so Mandy, how? Because someone emailed, messaged us on Facebook and said, how do you do that? Um, it's kind of, okay, how do you do that? So if you're listening on your phone, just go to your My Podcast app if you have an iPhone. Maybe you have, there's a different way on the Android. But if you go to wherever you listen to our podcast, you should be able to click our name and go to our show page and you can write a review there. I think it's actually easier just to go to Google Go to Google or open up your iTunes and look for Brown Ambition Podcast in the iTunes store. And easily right there, you'll see a tab. I think it's in the top left corner that says write a review. Okay. And it's literally like a two-second process. I don't think you even have to sign in. I think you just have to, you know, leave. I don't think you, you can probably do it anonymously. Directly through the site. If somebody knows, tweet us. Yeah, troubleshoot, IT support. Yes, <laughs> somebody out there knows. Someone's like, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> um, but after last week's show, we had about 20 or 30 new reviews. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yes. Let's just get even more because, like I said, it's um, for some reason, iTunes just loves the podcasts that have more reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's actually um, pretty heavily weighted besides just the number of people who are downloading. So I've learned that. I would like to really push us up in the ratings now, and I think that's the way to do it. So get reviewing yes thank you unless it's a one star then you can stay home (laughs) you can keep that (laughs) keep it nobody cares about those (laughs) so how was your week my week was a week it was a busy busy week you know we i talked about doing hello fresh and i was super excited yeah so i need you to resend me that link did you not use my free box? Yeah, I. She left money on the table. I y'all. did. It was she like a week. I started to. I started to apply, but I was waiting for my new card in the mail. <laughs> oh, don't mind that. My new card. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Are you like my father? She literally just pulled her card out of her card holder, and there was a dent, a, two, a, a, a dental, dental pick. floss pick <laughs> behind it. My father keeps one in his wallet. You never know. <laughs> So I was waiting for my new my new uh, card in the mail. So I didn't have it at the moment when you okay. sent it. So if you can resend it, because I do want to try HelloFresh. I'll Fresh. see if I got another one. But this week, 
I, di- I didn't plan it very well because we had a lot of after work engagements. Okay. And we, I opened the fridge today and we have three meals left from our four, really? <laughs> four meals. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to cook one for lunch and then you do one for dinner. We'll do one for lunch tomorrow. Because okay. if you don't want it to go bad, you know. You know, for sure. That would be crazy. But um, what happened this week? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you know, I have an update on the, um, well, shoot, other than the world ending. And yes, the, you know, it has happened. Voldemort has the Elder Wand and he's taken over the country. <laughs> but, it is, but it's okay because our it's fearless okay. heroes are still trying their best. <laughs> uh, yeah, the women of the world were out there. Yes. I was, oh, it was so, like, what? soothing to my soul yesterday to see all the women who Around marched. the world. That's what really... Like touched me. It was like wow. It wasn't just. I heard all seven continents participated. Or Antarctica? Yes. Did the penguins march? No, but I. I heard somebody was like, "Yo, you know, you got to be a bad, a terrible person indeed to get people in Antarctica to come out." They're like negative five thousand <laughs> degrees. I know. What? I need to see pictures. Yes, of that. I, I think I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna Google it. But yeah, I heard all seven um, continents. I was um, really depressed because I, I got really sick yesterday, and I had the march started around eleven thirty in New York. Um, and I was really a sick, the kind of sick where you don't want to be too far from um, facilities, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so I didn't go. And then we had plans later that day. But I, I was on Instagram all day scrolling through and liking every single picture. And they were just some amazing the signage. And I love seeing um, the moms out there with their little kids and really beautiful. Women's March protests reach Antarctica photos. That's a good number of people yeah. in Antarctica. That's like 25, that's 30 crazy. people. That's crazy. Okay, Antarctica. And it, it, look, that's crazy. It's actually a really good number of people. Oh, they were on an expedition trip. Seven. Oh, and seven, I couldn't get out of my apartment. All seven continents. Mm, mm, well, I'm ashamed. But um, <laughs> I did read that there were more people at the Women's mm. March in D.C. Mm, than, than What's-His-Face's inauguration. Which, which he actually had a press awesome. conference about, which I thought, wow, your ego. So salty. I mean, seriously. Your he, ego. Not, not a press conference. He went to the CIA <gasps> to talk about national security, and that's where he decided to call out the media for sharing that photo. If you haven't seen it yet, it'll it'll soothe your soul. It like does. It will soothe mine. It's the 2009 inaugural crowd compared to 2017, yeah. um, which is amazing. There's like half the number of people. Half. I think I think one less than that. One third the number of wow, people showed wow, up wow. for came out for Trump as they did for Obama mm-hmm. in 09, um, which was amazing. It and was. So, I had the giggle of the giggles. I said, <laughs> like, I said you needed that too because it was such a dark day. It on was Friday. Oh, it felt like Friday the 13th or something. Um, and what it goes to show you is that, like, because, you know, when, when, when he won, we were all confused. Like, it, do more people really, do they really feel like this? Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, and just the fact that way more people came out for the march against than, than for the, yes. the, the, the march for him, I guess you could call it. It just, I'm not certain what happened as far as the election is concerned or why it swayed in that direction. But I think that that he has woken a sleeping giant. Mm-hmm. And I think that people are like, oh. Because I think so many people, to me, they weren't pro-Hillary. And they weren't necessary. But they definitely were not pro-him. So they were just kind of chilling. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, whoa, 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 because whoa, Because it's whoa. real now. He yep. was elected. Yep. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. I can no longer just kind of chill on the sideline. I have to do something. And I think I thank him, honestly, for that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that... There is no more powerful movement than people who are joined together under a common cause. Absolutely. The downfall of you, my Cheeto-licious friend, is our common. Cheeto Satan, as Lovey calls him. Yes, did you see all the names? Cheeto Satan. Oh, what was the other one? Lovey had, like, if you don't know, Lovey, uh, awesomelylovey.com, right? Mm -hmm. She has this great... uh, this great blog post of why I will still continue to disrespect <laughs> how she plans. She came off like a how long hiatus, like a month long yeah. hiatus. And her first business of order was to take down Trump and continue to pledge to take him down. Yes. I feel like that's what's happening, though. I feel like artists especially, but mm-hmm. anyone out there, it's never been like this is a call to action. Mm-hmm. Like it's never been a more important time to get involved, to speak up, to yeah. get your life right, yep. to prepare yourself and protect yourself from whatever's coming. I mean. One of the first things he sat down in his, you know, chair to do in the old Oval Office, which makes my stomach hurt thinking about it, was to start walking back um, Obamacare, mm-hmm. start setting the stage for that. And he even cut um, the homeowners, first-time homeowners, yeah, uh, like insur- insurance tax cut. Yeah, That's random. Yeah. Like, just why, you know? And, I don't know. And, and I mean, not even about Trump. I mean, you know, I got into a little texting war with some family members, or just one in particular, who I won't name. Um, who I suspect was a Trump supporter, and I, you know, uh, and I was, and and they were like, you know, he's president, just get over it. And I'm like, it's not about 
him. Yeah. It's like everyone he is bringing into power around yeah. him. Yeah. It's not, and that's what I, I read. That that the part that's what irritated me. I'm like, people are so self centered, and then they're thinking, oh, you're, this is just you guys whining. It's honestly, it's not. That's not what this is. Yeah. It's about the policies that are now going to be going forward. Did you see? It was like so epic. This um, Facebook post that, that became viral. Mm-hmm. Now, this young guy that was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad, you know, that he's our new president because now we can get rid of this Obamacare. And um, it's, he started to, like, uh, like talk about it. He was saying, somebody was like, um, don't you use, um, uh, what is Obamacare? The real official name is ACA, The right? Affordable Care Act, right? yeah. And he was like, yeah, so maybe this Affordable Care Act thing can really get a chance. And they were like, <laughs> they were like, somebody was like, no. are you kidding me? Yeah, somebody was like, um, don't you use the Affordable Care? Yeah, that's what I use, but I don't use Obamacare. They're like, that's the same thing. You see, that's He's like, no, it's not. He, mm-hmm. he was like, they were like, yo, it is so epic, and mm-hmm. you could see him That's crumbling. why the White House was so against Obamacare becoming a thing that everyone said, because yeah. then you could point you, it to the, the enemy and attach and say, it and forget what yep. it actually does. So he actually voted against the only health insurance that he was able to get because <sighs> it was called Obamacare. And they were yeah. like, wow, you literally voted against your own health. And he was silent. I'm like, why is this? Somebody actually wrote, why is this post still up? I'm, I would delete this as soon as possible. But That's I just thought to myself, wow, I wonder how many people voted against themselves out of fear and ignorance because they did not realize, like, if you have a child that's, that's you know, above uh, 26, mm-hmm. you know, or below 20, or, like, what, above 18 now? Right? What is it? Uh, you have to be younger than 26. Like, right? Qualify. That was before, right? You, you used to at least be able to be like, whew, I didn't get a, you know, I don't have a, a job just yet, but I can still be under my parents' yeah. um, you know, insurance. insurance. And now yeah. that's not, that you know, that's in danger of not being so, or pre-existing diseases. Like, that's just... I mean, it wasn't, it was just a few years ago that you could have had cancer, which is out of your control. And if you needed insurance, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. Like, or diabetes even could have disqualified you from healthcare before. Like my, my, my nephew has full blown sickle cell and yeah, we just found out and I was just like, well, not just found out, but you know, I was just thinking about that. Like, so what does that, what does that mean? You know, this is a pre-existing condition, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just made me really worry, you know, because I. I that hit really close to home. Like there's gonna be a cap of how much insurance you're able. He might reach that cap by the time he's five. Then what happens? You know? Yeah. My father, as soon as Obamacare or sorry, the Affordable Care Act came into be and the healthcare.gov was launched, that very first year I signed my dad up. Um, and he's been my family. A lot of them are morbidly obese, mm-hmm. and he's a di- he was a diabetic, and he was morbidly obese. And one of the first things he did was he went and got his, all of his checkups, and he hasn't had insurance since. Mm. I was 10 or 11 because he, he quit his job um, and went off to be an entrepreneur and launch a restaurant yeah. business, and he never had insurance. He survived because he had friends in the medical profession who would give him, like, you know, a discount on dental services and things okay. like that. But he became really unhealthy, and he went and got all of his checkups, and his doctor was like, it's time. You need to get gastric bypass mm-hmm. surgery. And he got the surgery, which probably saved his life. Wow. He's no longer diabetic, and Obamacare covered it, like, wow. all of it. Wow. And he's, like, a whole different person now, so healthy, and it makes me... And it just sort of shatters me to think that people, you know, like my father won't have access because they chose not to work for a company, which is a lot of people, you know, it's not like. And um, even then I've just been reading, I have not, I'm not going to lie, I don't have all the details, but like there are even people who, even if you work for a company, there are things that. Don't get covered. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just like so. I just got my dental bill, so believe me. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, it's a scary time and I've been being very careful about how much I've allowed myself to ingest because it gets really scary, really scary, not not just frustrating and mad. And I think that's what a lot of Trump supporters think, oh, you guys are a bunch of whiners. No, it's people, yes, where people mad and upset, but now there's real fear that Reason is setting to in. to be fearful. Yeah. I think it's more important than ever to pay attention, though, because we someone needs to be watching yeah. him. You know, the media needs, and it, it's a, such a scary um it's like a it's a weird tightrope because you want to be on him and and watching him and be like a, a aggressive reporter but then you see what he does when mm-hmm. he doesn't like what you report about him mm-hmm. he shuts you out he shuts you down um it's going to be really fa- i'm going to be watching like a hawk i mean one of the i mean again i say that one of the first acts he did as president was go to the cia to protect our nation from outside terrorist attacks and decided to you know talk beef with the media for posting a tweet you know of a wow. picture which is just like you know Michelle Obama with the I go, they go low, we go high? He's just always low. He's low. He doesn't know how to go any higher. And um, 
Mo Michelle. Everyone, you saw the inaugural, like, the one takeaway was that Michelle gif, or the Michelle meme. Yes. Like, someone caught her in a dirty look. <laughs> and it was, dr- I, did the, I did feel like the weather was, like, responding to. Yes. Did you see W? <laughs> Yo, that was the. I was what like, what becomes so adorable? First of all, I was like, can somebody please help this man with a poncho? He's like, I don't know how to get this. Poncho. Or don't like use a poncho. Just he was don't. like, the poncho, the hood was like to his face. He was like, I don't know how it got to this. I just was like, W, W. I just wanted to be like, I just. Where just, was Laura? Why <laughs> just take this type of thing? Well, she you, had the bathroom break. You take him when you're kidding. You're like, just stop it. Just stop it. When did he become so cute? And like, I kind of look at him. I'm like, how could you have started a war? Yeah, right? You Come almost on. wish for him back, right? Paint me a picture, <laughs> GW. Did you see? He's actually a pretty good painter. He, yeah, he is. He is a good painter. Somebody wrote, and I thought this was interesting. That there was a picture of him um, painting. And the painting is actually pretty good. Someone said, this is... This is a clear-cut example of when kids are pushed into things that, you know, that are really what their parents want, not what they want. He might have made an amazing artist versus, you know, the destroyer of the free world. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'd prefer him in an art school. Yeah, but you never know. Maybe that's what he really enjoyed. And it was like, no, this is what you're doing. You're going to be the president. Yes. Um, Well, they were there, you know, Hillary. I I watched the beginning when they were, um, you know, before they come out for the actual speech. They Mm -hmm. are all inside the Capitol and they're like being presented kind of like at a debutante ball. And I saw Bill and Hillary preparing. And you could see her, you know, that lovely white suit do like a... Mm. like steal herself and I was like girl I can't even imagine can you imagine having to no. go out on that stage what's like and then and then as soon as she got out the smile came on and the campaign yes. lights hit her and you can see her just like switch come on yeah but I really like that moment of humanity like yeah this is this is this is awful. real life and this is I crazy hate, but I, I hate have every to moment of this put on my brave face and and I could tell Michelle was like not into it I mean yes I thought wow my, my friend my best friend Linda called me she's like girl Michelle got the I'm over it ponytail in <laughs> she did <laughs> she said every black girl knows that point. They're like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. You didn't got to do nothing. Just, just put it back. It's just, raining. Trump yep. is going to be president. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, that's exactly. Just put this big coat on. Yep. This, I don't care. <laughs> like, mm, you know what? I'm not even trying to come out here and stunt like I used to. And but, Melania tried so hard to be her friend. Yeah, so I was like, hard. I feel honestly, the truth of the is, I feel kind of bad for her because... I can't tell why I feel bad for her though. She's a strong, you know. She's she got herself in this position. Yeah. Somebody wrote a meme. Was it when you saw her dancing with him that looked really yes. uncomfortable? I <laughs> like think. she was held hostage. Yes. Somebody posted a meme that said, "Melania, if you need help, blink twice." <laughs> <laughs> And I was rolling because I was like, that's how I feel. I feel like I want to be like, wait, are you okay? Are you okay? I hated how smug his kids all looked like, oh, daddy in the White House. Mm-hmm. We got this now. Um, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. But um, stay woke. If you want a place, you know, in this week's podcast, I'm going to post some links to some great organizations. Good. If you want to talk, vote with your dollars, which is what I've been doing. Yeah. I've been pumping money into things like Planned Parenthood, yeah. environmental organizations, because if you don't know, our president doesn't believe in climate change. Um so I'll post some links if you want to. Um, there's actually a great Gothamist story with with good organizations to donate to. Okay. Um, and then go find your local. I'll I'll try and post a link to where you can find your local senator, or congressman. Okay. Um, because they're the ones who are going to be the gatekeepers yep. here. You know, voting for you know the policies he's put he's going to put forward as people will put forward. So if you feel like you can't do anything, you can. Um, if you didn't get to march yesterday, that's okay. Yeah. You can you can show your support in other ways. Yeah, for sure. Nothing nothing works better than a dollar. Like mm-hmm. actually, you know, putting your money where your values are. Yeah. Oh lord. Are you are you ready to break or boost? I don't even feel like a, a boost these days. What? <laughs> There's gotta be something. I know. No. Well, I do want to take a a brown break from. The folks on, because I mean, my my social media was largely positive about the Women's March, but there were a few people that I actually really respected that were speaking disparagingly about it. And I was like, Because they got to say something. Yeah, I was actually surprised because, like I said, there were people who, you know, I'm used to, you know, you have some friends, you're like, Lord, here they go. Mm-hmm. But there were people who I was like, Really? Not you. What were they saying? What was. What was disparaging? Oh, marching is not going to do anything, and you, it's better to put your, you know, put action toward, you know, whatever it is, and you know, and so this is what I said. This is going to sound a little rudimentary, or whatever, but sophomore, but I don't care. So you know how we love um, Harry Potter, right? Yes. And we know how the defeat of he who shall not be named, mm-hmm. and that although Harry had the clearly pivotal role in, in making that happen, there were all of these supporting roles that were. The Order of the Phoenix, hello. Yeah, and just equally as important from, like, 
you know, from um, who's that little weird girl? Luma, Luma, Luna Lovegood. Right, Luna. Everybody Neville had, killed the yes. snake. If not for the snake, he wouldn't have gotten the seventh it's, part of Voldemort's soul. And so I say <laughs> all that to say is that like everybody's role is important. That yes, you, Mr. Intellectual or Mrs. Intellectual, whatever, you might be, you know, building a nonprofit organization that teaches girls how to blah, blah, blah. That's great. But People marching is also part of the larger picture of change. And that's the part that I'm like, it makes, um, that made me a little like upset with them is that that change doesn't just happen in one singular focused way, mm -hmm. that all of these things matter. And that you might think that like, oh, marching doesn't do anything. But one, you don't know that. How can you know that? That there could be a young girl in the march who goes on to create a policy that goes on to, you don't know. There's so many things that, Almost three million people march. How can you say that nothing that that has done nothing? If not, but to motivate people to go home and do more. Mm -hmm. So I say this is that whatever way that you've chosen to to change the world around you, do that, and then allow others to choose for themselves how they're going to express that change. You know, and so that was like my kind of brown break of like people tearing down. You know, other people who are just trying to do something. You know. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a positive thing. There's always going to be people who are going to try to politicize yeah. it. There were people, women of color who were saying they didn't feel like the organizers were inclusive enough. Mm -hmm. um, of but it, wasn't it a woman of color that started it? But I, don't, I, I don't actually know. Yeah. Her name was Tasha <clears throat> something or other. I'm, I feel like I kind of got away from her. Um, but All I, I know is with those pictures that I saw, the celebrities that were out there, it was a rainbow of beauty. And yes. You know what? Maybe it did get politicized. Maybe they were, you know, making money off it or whatever. But, like, you're never going to see a moment like that. Yeah. Um, I haven't in my lifetime. It was incredible. Hundreds of millions, or not hundreds of millions, but millions of women out there. Not just women, but men, too, with yes. their children. And it was a beautiful thing. And I... Her name is Tamika Mowry. She, it was a brainchild of a woman named Tamika Mowry. She okay. is the executive director of the National Action, Action Network. Young girl. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Tamika Mallory. Mm -hmm. Well, then and everyone should be singing her praises. Yeah, today but it, it kind of—I get it—it kind of grew beyond her. Oh, it can grow because you needed permits. It needed to yes. be organized. It became a whole. There had to be stages. Madonna performed. Yes, like, at but some I point. think exactly. I think that it was just her initial call to action yeah. that led to people. But do you see what I mean? Somebody might say, "Oh, Tamika, you're just talking." But look at her initial call to action and how it rippled. Mm -hmm. To, to this and so uh, to me there is no small thing to do I think people just get automatically cynical when something big happens like when it yes. becomes bigger than like the grassroots you know yeah that's you know, it should that's the way it should work you should have a small group making a larger voice and then they make a larger voice and just expands and expands until everyone you can't not pay attention no one did not see that march yesterday Mr. Voldemort himself probably saw that yes. and, was humping around the White House mad, you know, mad at the world mm -hmm. and thinking the media was to blame but like that message just prove, I mean, that's the kind of message that no one can ignore. It's a powerful thing. And all the women out there, it was just, you know, thank you for, yes. for doing that. So boost um, to women yes. and our awesomeness and a break to those sometimes who can't say anything nice. So maybe they shouldn't say anything at all. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So, I have this random song in my head. Ease on down, ease on down. Mm -hmm. Come on. You know what it is? I think it's because you're wearing this beautiful gold scarf and it's making me think is of... It, is it because they were live during the inaugural? Um, who was it that started? I think it was Jamila Lamo from... Uh, mm. She started. She encouraged everyone to live tweet the whiz <laughs> <laughs> during the inaugural. No, I love the pettiness. No, first of all, nobody was more petty than BuzzFeed with the countdown to next election. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm here for all this petty. So anyway, um, I know we have, we hardly ever have guests. Hardly. Hardly. But when we do, they're awesome. Yes, they are. And we have an awesome guest today. Yeah, I get to chat with a really incredible author. I was really um, uh, excited that she said yes. It's mm -hmm. always surprising when they want to come on the show. But I read this book. 
um, called The Unbanking of America. I love the name. It's great, right? How the New Middle Class in America Survives. And it's by a writer, um, professor at at UPenn, professor of city planning um, named Lisa Servan. I hope I hope I said her last name right. Mm. We practice this, um, and the entire book is really it's it's fascinating. I mean, you're we we know what's out there. I mean, the banks are so expensive now that people are turning even more to these like alternative um, banks. Like check cashing businesses have exploded. Payday lenders mm-hmm. have never been bigger. Um, pawn shops, even title loans, all these types of products that are super expensive, um, but people turn to them anyway. And, and so, it's like, why? And what can you do? Yeah, and a lot of people are like condescending about it like yeah if only they knew like it's really expensive they're so dumb why don't they just go to a bank what I loved about Lisa's book um, again it's called the unbanking of America is that she really wanted to know why are people going to these services they the, the math isn't adding up millions of people are doing this and yet I know that not everyone is an idiot like yeah. they're not doing because they don't know any better mm-hmm. there has to be a reason so she didn't just do the research although she is a researcher and professor she actually got jobs at a payday lender in oakland california and at a check cashing business Love in it. the bronx the south bronx uh, in New York and spent months working down in the trenches with these people and talking to people one-on-one to find out why they were using these services and what's happened to the banking industry in America and why there are no better alternatives for people out there. So here's my chat with Miss Lisa Servan on Brown Ambition. You can check out her book at lisasservan.com. She also has a Tumblr page called moneystories.tumblr.com where she collects stories from people out there um, who are sharing their experiences uh, in the banking industry. So if you have a story, go to moneystories.tumblr.com or lisasservan.com and send her a note. Um, But without further ado, here's my interview with Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Brown Ambition. Uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I'm really, really excited about your book because I feel like, um, and the book again is called "The Unbanking of America: How the Middle Class, How the New Middle Class Survives." Um, and one of the most compelling parts of the book, aside from the fact that you actually wanted to see how people out in the world, real people, are using these alternative banking services like payday lenders and check cashing companies. But you didn't just want to do the research like a lot of people do. I mean, you went out there and actually worked in the businesses and were right face to face with these customers. And beyond that, what I loved about the book is that I feel like you were had some respect for people and, you know, the people who were using these services. And you genuinely wanted to know, you know, what is it that's driving you to use these services, even though they're like super expensive? So I guess my first question is what surprised you when you got face to face with people and asked them? you know, you know, what is driving you to use these, uh, these pricey services like payday lenders and uh, check cashing? Right. Uh, That's a great question. You know, I wasn't surprised. Um, I I knew there had to be a better answer than simply these people are ignorant, or if they only knew what I know, you know, kind of middle class white lady, they would do what I do. And which is why I went to the field, because I felt like I couldn't, get that the answer to that question by do by um, just you know reading reports or looking at statistics so I wasn't surprised that people had a good answer but I was surprised what their reasons were and the reasons were this I, I would say the first one surprised me in particular that so many people told me that the check cashers they used in particular were cheaper than banks because I think when you read about this stuff and this issue and people who call the and that they're part of the poverty industry, et cetera, the first thing they say is they're expensive. Why would so many people be using them? And I can say more about that. But um, the other two reasons, which were also surprising, were that these businesses were much more transparent than banks. It was much easier for people to figure out how much they were going to be charged and when they were going to be charged. Um, And they often felt like they were being tricked at banks. And the third thing was that they felt like they got much better service at the check cashers and at the payday lenders than they did from their banks. And so I was really surprised um, that those were the reasons. You know, I knew it had to be something that made a lot of sense, but I didn't know what it would be. Yeah, when you say that the service element, I saw that every day. I I moved to Inwood, Manhattan with my fiancé, whose family is Dominican. Um, I lived there for about eight months earlier this year, and we lived right across the street from this giant, like, 
check cashing palace I called it sometimes it had two entrances and it looked really super nice and it was like lit on Friday there everyone came to the check cashing place um and it, it sort of yeah it was part of the fabric of the community um and do you feel like the the what's behind that is just the fact that banks have gotten so much less prevalent in people's everyday lives um especially a sensory session it seems like you know, you people are you see banks closing up their brick and mortar locations. So, you know, is it is it a symptom of just the fact that big banks have sort of been moving out of these communities, or that they were never there in the first place? I think I think it's part of it that that banks are moving out, and uh, you know, that's related to the change in banks' business models as well, right? So many of us, myself included, actually like being able to bank. Uh, online at night or on the weekend or whatever and not have to go and stand in a line. Um, So I think we've all kind of voted with our consumer behavior in that way. Um, But it also, banks are also creating an incentive for us to do that. You know, they recognize that a a one transaction at a teller costs a dollar and a transaction online costs a couple of pennies. So they save a lot of money. And, you know, I've, I've been in bank teller lines where someone has come over and said, you know, can I show you how to use the ATM to do that? You know, clearly um, wanting me to develop a different kind of habit, right, than going to the teller line. So I think that's part of it. Um, part of it is also the different business models. So, you know, the things that you do at a check cashier, you can't do in a bank or you can't do online, right? If you're, if you have a physical check and you want to cash it, um, well, you could deposit it in your bank and now you could take a picture of it. But, um, but what stops a lot of people and, and causes them to go to the check casher instead is that it'll take days for that check to clear. Right. And if, you know, if I go to the check casher, I get my money right away. Um, but other kinds of things like, um, sending money, uh, to relatives overseas, um, people can't do online. So, so that's kind of part of it too. The uh, the guy who was who was the president of the check cashing firm where I worked in the South Bronx, he would say, banks want one customer with a million dollars, and check cashers want a million customers with one dollar, because check cashers actually make their money from people coming in over and over again and and doing transactions, whereas banks really would rather you didn't come in at all. Um, and I think part of when you talk about the relationship. We have, in the process, lost that relationship. And for many people, that's valuable, particularly if they're kind of living close to the edge and they don't have a large monthly balance. They sometimes need, actually need help from a banker, and it's much harder to get that now. Yeah, I mean, and it's just so expensive. Like, exactly. of course, you would feel you'd be so afraid of getting that $35 overdraft fee that, you know, one or $2 fee every time you cash a check probably seems like nothing compared to right. that. It almost feels like the banks are saying, you know, we don't want you anyway. So if you can't handle these fees, well, then there's, you know, nothing for you here. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if you don't have a a large balance, uh, you know, that qualifies you for this, whatever it is, Citibank Gold or other preferential treatment, you know, we're going to just make money off of you from fees. And it's really about in the 80s that banks started really switching how they made their money off of consumers, where it used to be interest income. And, you know, you'd get... 3%, 3%, you'd get 3% interest on your savings account and you'd pay 6% for a loan. Um, but interest rates were volatile. The savings and loan crisis kind of showed how that could work um, and not be good for banks. And then they discovered that they could make a ton of money off of fees, overdraft fees being the, the biggest culprit. Um, banks made, I believe it's $32 billion dollars. Um, in 2014 from overdraft fees. So that's a lot of money. One fee alone. Yes. So let's keep exactly. the lights on for them and then hurting exactly right. millions of people out there. And I don't right. think people understand this either. Um, you know, my, my day job at Magnify, we get a lot of emails from people who can't even join a bank because they're, um, you know, there's a system called checks where your record, um, your bank and yes. checking behavior is tracked. And then if you have too many overdraft fees, it's like you're blacklisted. That's right. Which is that's almost right. another way. Yeah, there are a couple million people in the United States that um, cannot get a bank account at all. So that that's a really important point, that there are lots of people who can't get a bank account because they've had maybe too many instances of overdraft. You know, these systems are all prone to failure, too. So there are plenty of people who've gotten booted out of their bank for a very small problem or because of a clerical mistake, and they cannot get back in, even, you know, in, in the bank's 
to your point, use this check system and they, they share the information. So if I have a problem at one bank, another bank is, is likely to use the same software and they won't let me start a, get a, get an account there either. So, you know, for some people they're, they're pushed out. They haven't opted out. Yeah. And I can, I can sort of see how then you would run to the check cashing place and sort of feel a place of companionship or at least like comfort level. They're in your neighborhood. They'll probably look like you and speak like you and know people like you. And it probably feels a lot more comfortable. Did, did your opinion of these, you know, pay, check cashing places and payday lenders, did it change? Because I know I'm, I'm definitely in, have been in that like very black and white world of, oh, they're all terrible and they're just completely predatory. Um, how did your opinion of them change throughout the course of your, your research and writing the book? You know, it definitely changed. Um, I wasn't really studying consumer financial, financial services when I started doing this, but the way the, the story about how I started doing it, doing the research the way I did, was that I had a check casher come to a class I was teaching and talk about what he did. And, you know, the only literature that I could find, find to assign to my students, I mean, I, like you, I assumed that these guys were up to no good. You know, they were charging people too much. They were making money off the backs of the poor in ways that weren't exactly ethical. And um, that was pretty much, you know, the, the good research I could find was saying the same thing. And then when Joe Coleman, my my boss, ultimately my boss at the check cashing store came, he, he really had a very compelling argument about why he thought his businesses were helping people in low-income communities. And, you know, I didn't kind of buy the story hook, line, and sinker, but I it made a lot of sense, you know, which led me to go and uh, and work in the stores. And I, if anything, so I tried to go in kind of with an open mind. Um, but if anything, I was in that camp of like, there's something wrong here. You know, this costs way too much money. And I realized that uh, people were often making rational, logical decisions by choosing to manage their money with check cashers and sometimes payday lenders. Did you feel like there was, you know, and there maybe are some less terrible payday lenders out there. I know in a lot of states, quite a few, maybe over, what is it, 19 now or 20, that states that actually cap. Because what really kills people with payday loans, we're kind of switching gears to talk about them. Yeah. What really kills people is the interest rate, right? I mean, it's you, you, and it's never like someone, it's usually people don't just borrow that one time. They usually have to That's do right. a rollover loan and then you get charged interest on that and then the fees and over and over again. Um, and all that interest ends up being like hundreds of percentage points. And in some states, that's different. I think in New York, the interest rate cap has been set by officials to so low that you can't even really operate here and make money as a payday lender anymore. But do you feel like enough is being done to rein in the guys who really are bad actors out there? Well, I think so. The first point you make, I think, or the last point you made was that there are good actors and bad actors. And I think that's true in almost any industry. Um, and payday lending is illegal. I can't remember right now if it's 12 or 13 states. New York is one of them. So there, you can't, well, you technically you can't get a payday loan in New York state. However, it's pretty easy to get an online loan by an out of state. Right. Online lenders are nuts. Yeah. And there are hundreds of thousands of loans that get made in New York state each year online because it's very difficult to stop that business. Um, Having said that, uh, yes, you're absolutely right that the, the cost is expensive. Right. So when I said that um, people chose check cashers because they're cheaper than banks, um, payday lenders, what happens is they're expensive, but people who need the money typically feel like they don't have another option. They've, they've either maxed out on their credit card or they don't have a credit card. They don't have anyone in their friend or family network that they could borrow from, or they don't feel right about doing that. A lot of people told us about, you know, if I borrow money from my mother for my college tuition. She'll never let me hear the end of it. You know, I can't even go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee because I might run into her and she'll, she'll make me feel bad. Um, so, but the, the problem is that you take out one of these loans and maybe not everybody who's listening knows what they are, but they're generally loans of between 50 and $300. They're called payday loans because they're due on your next payday in full. And the interest, the, the, the fees are very high. So the place that I worked, which was in Oakland, California, charged $15 per $100 lent. Now, that's, a, that's pretty high, but let's imagine you take out $100 and you pay it right back in two weeks. Maybe it was worth it to you to get that um, $85, you know, and pay the 15 But as you noted correctly, a lot of people get to that point where their next paycheck comes in and they can't afford it. They still can't. They don't have the extra money. 
Um, and so they, they do what's called a rollover, which is they get that $100 again, and they pay another $15. So that's, a, you know, this is what angers consumer advocates, because they feel like the loan is being sold as a very short-term loan, but then it's not being used in the way that it's advertised. And that is a problem. Um, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, which is the government agency that was created as part of Dodd-Frank just a few, about five and a half years ago, is for the first time issuing some regulation on payday loans. And most of these, um, what I call alternative financial services providers like payday lenders and check cashers, they um, they are regulated at the state, not the federal level, which which is why you have different situations from one state to another. So for the first time, a federal agency will regulate these agencies. And one of the things it's going to do is mandate that the lender verifies the borrower's ability to pay. Um, that's easier said. It's a great idea. It's easier said than done. But it's kind of probably, like a credit card company. Yes, is that the exactly. Idea? Exactly. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, the, the idea is to kind of keep people from getting in trouble by taking out too much money. Um, and it'll be uh, what, one, one of the things that will happen partly as a result of that is people will also be making and the industry's already started doing that. They're issuing more installment loans as opposed to this traditional payday loan, which is a lump sum loan. You get it all and then you owe it all back. Um, so that will help consumers because they won't have to come up with all the money at once. Um, so I, I do think that some good things are happening in terms of regulation. Um, the fact that lenders will have to chart, will have to verify someone's ability to pay means they're going to have to take a little time between when you apply for that loan and when they give you the money, even if it's a couple of hours. And that will allow other businesses who are charging less to compete with them and hopefully lower the price. Um, you know, I've had family members who have taken out title loans and payday loans and have been mm -hmm. afraid to admit it, but they have, you know, later on. And when I asked them why, they're like, well, I just needed it right then. And I was, I was, you know, thank God I had that because I don't have an emergency fund. And, you know, with regulations, like I'm all about the CFPB. I love them. I love the work they're doing. I'm worried for their future. I think like a Absolutely. lot of people are. Um, but what's out there for people who, who may need those loans and may not have emergency funds set aside and you know, may feel like with these regulations that they're actually limiting their options for cash flow when they when they run into a hard time. Well, that's a terrific point. And, you know, I think so much of the conversation around payday lenders has been about the businesses. And if anything, it's been a sort of a paternalistic understanding of consumers saying like, they don't know any better. So you, you can't make these loans to them because they'll get in too much trouble and it'll be worse for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I went out, not only did I work in the payday lending shop and also in the check cashing store, but I also interviewed scores of people who had taken out the loans apart from, you know, serving them across the counter. And so many people told me that they didn't like the loans necessarily. They thought they were expensive, but they felt like they really needed them when they didn't have any other option. And, you know, one of the things I try to draw attention to in my book is that that is the situation for an increasing number of Americans. 50% um, of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% could not come up with even $2,000 in the event of an emergency. And that means not just you don't have 2000 in the bank, but you don't have anyone that you could borrow it from. And so I heard lots of stories of people saying, you know, I either take out this loan and I know it's expensive or I lose my job because I can't fix my car unless I take out the loan and I can't get to work without my car or my kids are sick, you know, or my, my kids are sick and I can't take them to the doctor or my kids are hungry and I need to buy them food. And so, you know, I'm fortunate enough in my life that I've never had to face that kind of dire awful choice. But more and more Americans these days are facing that choice. And many people said, I didn't like the loan, but I'm really glad it was there because otherwise my kids would have been hungry. Otherwise, I would have lost my job. And so, you know, at the same time that we're talking about reforming the financial services industry, we also have to think about the fact that the kind of economic situation, the, the situation of financial insecurity has just uh, expanded exponentially. It's just much, much worse. It's much harder for people to be on stable footing in terms of how much money they have to survive. 
Now, we love tips. We love actionable advice. And I know you've spoken, even on your website, you have a button for people who want to ditch their big bank yeah. um, and find some, which I love, you know, uh, I was all about that ditch your bank movement after the recession, after the financial yeah. crisis. Um, you know, I'm a, we're a huge fan of, of online banks, um, Brown mm-hmm. Ambition and Magnify Money. Um, so, so do you feel like things are, you know, there's banks online that are, that are offering low fee accounts now. And can you talk a bit about alternatives that are out there for people who may, you know, find themselves in a tight spot and may not have all the information about alternatives. Sure. Well, I think, you know, the kind of part of the problem, and this goes back to that second thing I said in terms of the reasons people are choosing not to use banks, but to use check cashers instead is the issue of transparency. And so I think financial services have gotten a lot more complex since I was a kid. um, uh, And it's very hard for people to figure out where should I go? People often feel paralyzed, you know, I thought this bank was was good, this big bank, it's got a big name, and I had a bad experience, but where do I go now? So I think helping people compare products and services side by side, which you guys do, a couple of other sites do as well, is really important. Um, I think that there also are banks and credit unions that both serve people better than some of the large banks. Um, It's not really just a large, small thing, but the problem is you have to do your research. Uh, But there are hassle-free accounts. KeyBank offers a great hassle-free account if you're in one of the regions they serve. Um, Sometimes for people who've been, had the check systems problem and they've been booted out, there are some banks that have a second chance account um, where you can get get a second, get another account even if you're on that blacklist. and, you know, people who use credit unions, on average, pay less in fees every year than people who use banks. Credit unions are nonprofit. They're cooperatives. So uh, I, think, I think there are good alternatives. But, yeah, the reason I put the button on my website that says how to leave your bank, and I'd love to add you guys to the list, um, is because people need an easy way to figure these things out. And our situations are different. So there isn't really a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, There are also some really interesting innovations coming down the line from the fintech kind of financial technology segment that should make it easier and more cheap to bank. Uh, But absolutely, people need to do some comparison shopping, and there are people and sites out there that can help you do it. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Brown Ambition. I really appreciate you sharing, and congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. back with questions how do you spell how do you say questions in spanish pregunta oh that's right pregunta preguntanos (laughs) so we have a question from let's call her lovely okay (laughs) hey lovely does not sound like a stripper name at all (laughs) so lovely asks if um question i've been looking at my credit report since the joining the live richard challenge credit edition woo woo shout out Dreamcatcher. But I'm still confused about the closed, sold, or charge-off accounts on my report. Can you help? Certainly we can. She said, I would like to know if I should make arrangements to pay them off or just wait until they fall off my credit report. And she told us the dates. So, Well, let's start by reminding people what is what does it mean when your account has been charged off or sold? That means the original company that you owed. So let's just say you owed Sears. And you bought a washing machine from Sears, uh, and it was, you know, I don't know, you were making payments on it, right? And so at some point, you lost your job, so you stopped making payments. Mm -hmm. So after, everybody charges off, or they might have a different charge-off schedule, but after either 30, 60, or 90 days, Sears says, you know what? Lovely's not going to pay us. So they go to the federal government and basically say, you know, we're just marking this as a loss, basically. And then they will sell it, typically, to a... Uh, third party, or is it a second party? Third party. Um, third. Yeah, right. I'm like, wait, third party? A third party company where this is basically a debt collector. And now they own the debt. And so that's when something is charged off or sold. Yeah, it's just them It's just them admitting this is never going to be paid yep. off, so we're writing it off. That doesn't mean that it's going to fall off your credit report. Mm-hmm. In fact, it really reflects badly. Once you have a sold off account, yep. it sucks. It's going to drag your credit down. Yep. Um, and it'll stay on there for you know upwards of seven years yes. before it falls off. But the good news is, is that if a charge-off happens 
and it's over two years old, when it was actually charged off, then it's not, it's, it's not making quite the dent on your credit as things that are newer. So right. our main advice is this. I'm not saying don't pay it, but I want you to focus on things on your credit report that have happened in the last two years because that's what's really affecting your score. So if you have, like, let's just say you have $800 and you have a charge-off that happened um, last April and you have a charge-off that happened four years ago and you have to decide where should I give the money to, give the money to the charge-off that happened last April because that's where you're going to see the effect of, of improving your credit score. Yeah, this one in particular, she goes into a bit of detail. She's basically had three accounts charged off. Mm-hmm. The, the earliest or the the oldest one was charged off in 2011, then 2013, then just this past April in 2016. Mm-hmm. So it seems like focusing on that that most recent one that was charged off most in April. Um, and the older ones, um, you know, when you get to them, you get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a reminder, though, and, and check with your state and maybe even contact a consumer attorney to be sure. But states have statute of limitations yes. on debt. Um, on debt. And that just basically says after a certain number of years, it can be from six to ten sometimes, um, depending on what state you live on, that debt collector or lender cannot sue you in court yes. for the unpaid debt. So generally, if it's reached past that point, you know. If you feel bad about it and you got just got money laying around, you can make good on that debt. You technically still owe it, but they can't. There's legally, no legal recourse yes. for them at that point, which is why it's even more important to focus on the ones that you can still be sued for, exactly um, that are still fresh on your credit report. So, like for example, New Jersey, New York, our statute of limitations on um, revolving debt is six years. Okay. So then after, so for example, so this 2011 one, this would be past the statute. Well, if this, she's from this area. Yeah, if, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some so. states it goes up to 20. So yeah, just, and some states it's three. Yeah, so yeah. there's a there's a good website I go to for like, some, I mean, it's kind of like the Wikipedia of legal stuff. So, you know, it's not the greatest, but nolo.com, I think, has a list of statutes mm-hmm. per state. Um, but great question. We get a lot of questions on charge-offs. Yeah, that is um, a good question. And good congratulations on the Live With Your Challenge credit edition. I you're love, in the right place. Right? I love when you dream catchers just write in. And if you guys have questions, again, you know where to find us, brownambitionpodcast.com. You can just chat us right there, or you can mm-hmm. always just email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at the BA podcast on Twitter. Yes, Twitter. Twitter. And while you're there, leave us a review. Yes, I was going to say that. And while you're there on iTunes, leave us a review. welcome (laughs) so make sure that you stay connected you can find us on social media you can message us you can do everything that you'd like to do at brownambitionpodcast.com yes Mm ma'am and uh while you're at it please like we said leave us a review if you could please we love your support we're doing very well but the more reviews we have on itunes and other streaming channels the more people are likely to find the show which is super important as we're trying to grow um it's been an amazing 2017 so far but it could be so much better it could be so much better so much better tell tell your aunties tell your friends tell your cousins sisters mama male woman The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 